Oh, it's me. I've come from sunny old England. We have a new guy on the on the podcast today. He's from sunny old England. How's Pal Land over there, Alan? Yes, mate. It's it's been pretty good. We edit at 25 frames a second, mate. <laughs> Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Sizzle Reel Podcast. I'm Alexi. I'm Chris. And we are back at it again, talking about some wonderful post-production stuff, but mostly about White Claws. We got a couple White Claws, man. We we got some local seltzers. They're not local. We got some craft seltzers. Craft seltzers from Philly, but they're I'm I'm going to call them off-brand White Claws because frankly, they're just not that good. They're actually, hey, look at that, 5.2. I got that extra point two. Yeah, that extra point two is clutch. Um, I, I, I could use an extra point two in my life a, a lot of the time. Yeah. But I don't know. I, uh, I, I, I went and got these on a little break from editing the other podcast, The Pilot. And uh, that's how bad it was. It needed, I needed to get drunk to keep going with it. Yeah. Anytime I listen to myself, I, I need a few drinks. Yeah. Hopefully, um, if you're listening to this, you're having a drink as well you know and you're enjoying the dulcet tones of of our uh, monologuing bullshit yeah maybe maybe i'll work on inflection and saying like less i was saying like way too much i can tell you that that's that's it it's crazy to hear all of your vocal crutches like there you go oh, i just there's did it. one right there i just did it it's you, you get to a point where you just develop this is how i talk now and yeah. it's hard to relearn it like I keep doing it. Uh, the The reporters I used to work with, they had, you know, coaching. You know, every every few months they had to listen to themselves and and be told how that to sounds speak better. Fucking next time. brutal. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not- gonna work on my inflections too, mate. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, it's me. I've come from sunny old England. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. No, we, we, we have a new guy on the on the podcast today. He's from sunny old England. Yeah, he's uh, he's here. Um, he's checking in. He's you know we were out over the here in NTSC or what is it NTSC land and he's in Powell land. Yeah. Powell land. How's Powell land over there, Alan? Yes, mate. It's it's been pretty good. We edit at twenty five frames a second, mate. <laughs> no, I don't know, man. It's look. What have we been doing, man? We've, we, we started a, a project today. Uh, I want to talk on some business shit, real talk. We got a, our first real uh, freelancer in. I say first real freelancer because, I don't know, for me, it's like, uh, usually I like to bring in people who I already know somehow. And this person I didn't know. It's our first unknown. Yeah, our first unknown. There's known knowns. What do they say? Known knowns and known unknowns. But then there's unknown unknowns. And that's... Well, no, this was this a known unknown. unknown. Known. This was a known unknown, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, which way do you say? Is it an unknown known or a known unknown? I think this was a known unknown because... We knew it was an unknown? We knew it was an unknown. We, okay. But we knew, we knew enough. Like, you know, when before they sent their reel in, they were an unknown unknown. But then they became a known unknown. And now they're a known known. How would you... How do you come across an unknown known? Just, just knowledge that you already have and you didn't realize you had it? An unknown known. Yeah, probably. But I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's possible, frankly. 
We didn't stay on editing for very long, did we? No, not yet. We're going to get there. To me, an unknown known is like probably... Oof. Yeah. Yeah. An unknown known is like some shit, like some therapy shit, probably. You know what I mean? That's deep. We just got deep. Deep poles, yeah. Deep, quick. But I really do think that that's probably what that is. You know what I mean? It's like, say like a... This is some fucked up shit. I'm already starting fucked up. But say there was like a a little... Like, say you were beaten as a child or whatever. You blocked some shit out of your life. Then you're like, oh, that was an unknown known. Like, okay. damn. Why were you flinching every time a light turned on? You're like, oh, that was it. You know? I guess they don't say unknown knowns because there's already a word for it. Repression. Repression. There you go. That's it. That's an unknown known. That's how, that's how they were discovered. I'm just, I was just ripping off that fucking scene from, uh, what was that? Was that from a movie? That, that was either from uh, the Boondocks. Or it was from actually a Tarantino thing. It was either the boondocks making fun of Tarantino or it's from real Tarantino thing. There's a Donald Rumsfeld thing about this as well. This is messed oh, that, up. That actually sounds super familiar. You're about to know all the unknown knowns. You know what, dude? There are unknown knowns. Things we understand, but we are not aware of. That's what it says. So it's what you understand, but you're not aware of it. So basically that might be like, uh, you can't probably can't even name them if you don't, if you're not aware of them. Right. Until you get educated about them. It's a difficult topic to talk on. And if you especially if you don't know it. Yeah, we're really we're really, really digging deep here on not (laughs) knowing shit. We should rename it from sizzle reel to, uh, I don't know, philosophy. Idiots talking about philosophy. I don't know. That actually sounds like a great podcast. I'd listen to it. That sounds like actually it sounds like the Joe Rogan experience. I would. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I would never listen to it idiots talking about philosophy because i i don't even like talking about philosophy to begin with man i thought that i wanted to like deal with philosophy i took a philosophy class once oh my god (laughs) what an idiot i took a philosophy class once in college and i literally within the first week changed out of it because i was like i don't want to do this this is like awful you know what am i what am i gonna do waste my time sitting in this fucking room talking about why we exist who cares i'd rather just go exist I don't know. That's just my fucking thought. Existing is a lot of work. I actually philosophy. I is one of the few classes I really enjoyed in college, but only because the class that I took was philosophy through film. So any concept that we dealt with, we would watch a movie that somehow, you know, kind of loosely ties into it. And for the most part, it was all sci-fi stuff. Lots of sci-fi and dystopian. Surprisingly, like, uh, the Matrix was one of them, for Weird. sure. I mean, it makes sense. Gattaca. Uh, can't, Gattaca. Can't pull them off the top of my head. Brazil. That's the first thing I think Brazil. of when I think of like sci-fi films that that are talking about philosophy. I guess dystop- all dystopian films like are basically philosophical things. You know, that's fucking hilarious, man. You're the master of the segue out here. The only way you learned about any philosophy was through your film class, right? The philosophy via film or whatever. So that's funny because it ties into what one thing I want to talk about was learning shit via editing, right? So like, for example, I'm not talking about learning techniques on stuff. I'm talking about like, I'm not talking about learning editing techniques. I'm learning about, oh, I'm learning about, I'm talking about learning things that aren't directly related to filmmaking, right? So for example, I wouldn't, I know a little bit, not too much, but a little bit about fashion and stuff like that from working on fashion shit in the past. 
or like beauty, you know, before working on any beauty product stuff, I didn't know anything about it. Still can't say I know too much, but at least I know some. I think that I've certainly working on some of the lifestyle stuff with, that we do. I've been able to learn new artists. World knowledge, I, I, worldly knowledge, I don't know. I Even just looking back today, I guess I was watching that grilling sessions export and I did learn, you know, a little graphic popped up that told me when the coals are good to go. And I mean, I knew how to barbecue before, but now I have an actual baseline when, when the coals start to get gray on the top and they get a little ashy, that's when it's good to cook. Yeah. According to Kingsford, right? Well, you know, they're the ones out here trying to spread that gospel, which I, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong either. I'm just saying check your sources, right? Uh, who knows? <laughs> always check your sources. That's that's a fact of life. Dude, I, I feel like I've learned about Major League Soccer a shitload. That's one thing. That's, like, I, they've become... That legit has become, like, one of my... Sorry, everyone who likes uh, European soccer, but that has become one of my favorite leagues in the world to watch. Like, I actually... Like, uh, here's a good example. Saturday... Not to date this, but Saturday was the last day of the Premier League season in England. I didn't watch a single one of those games. And then I watched every MLS game that weekend because like, it's just, a, I don't know. It's like, you got to support your domestic league. I get it, but it's different, but I, I, I like it. And I know I'm biased, right? Because I know more about it because recently I've worked on that stuff. And Yeah, but I mean, bias is what gets you into something like that. The reason that I love the NFL, that's my favorite sport to watch, is because that is my strongest connection as far as a team. You know, I have a team that represents my hometown. Getting into a league where, especially for me, if you don't, you didn't play soccer growing up, you don't know much about the teams, you have no reason to get into a foreign league. But once you start working with the footage and you get to know the people and, and the, the important players and you start to see it all the time and then you have friends who care about it that gives you a reason to to get invested in it because yeah. other people are who, who who you're around all the would time would you would you find that you've become more invested in major league soccer from editing that stuff absolutely yeah. a, a week or two ago i was at home by myself watching the philadelphia union play miami in, yeah. in a game that really doesn't matter between a couple teams that aren't yeah. aren't the premier teams in the league and i'm just sitting at home by myself watching miami suck yeah, yeah miami are not very good but it, it, it is it, it's pretty interesting just to see like that sort of development i even remember working on like uh shows like like working on sneaker shopping for example i didn't really give a fuck at all about sneakers like legit if before the first time i ever got on that on that project, like I would never have, I, you could ask me, I wouldn't have been able to name a single one. I would have been able to name a couple Adidas sneakers from like when I was a kid, I would have been able to say Stan Smith's rod lavers and superstars. Those are the three things I could have named. And then after working on that, I was like, Oh snap. I started finding that I was like, Oh, if I'm not anymore because of the dang COVID. But when I was, it'd be like, Oh, I'd be in Soho. Cool, I'm going to go to Kith or I'm going to go to the the small Adidas store and kind of just see what they have, you know? It's just that kind of stuff where it's weird, man. If you work on something for long enough, it will just bleed into your life naturally. You like it's almost you're just watching content. 
You're just watching it. The content takes over you. The content takes over you. (laughs) Content takes you over. I don't know. The content takes over you. It's, I agree. It's, uh, you know, that's why like when I'm editing a food video, if I've been watching tacos all day, I'm probably gonna have tacos for lunch. (laughs) Editing, it's super immersive. I mean, you you put yourself in it and as an editor, it's kind of your job to understand, well, to understand. You, You need to know about the product that's being sold so that you can sell it the best way. Yeah, it's true. I I think that it, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating when I say that I've had that situation with the tacos happen. I've had that situation happen with so much food, with tacos, with burgers, where ice cream, with the ice cream thing. And frankly, that actually is one thing it did not happen with because I don't know. It's like, overindulgence too much sweet stuff they were making stuff that was so sweet on there i was like this is great to look at but i don't want this you know what i mean but with the tacos they're gonna make this nice like carnitas taco i don't even eat carnitas but i was like all right yeah i guess i'm pork in my life today <laughs> i was i was saying that because i thought it was a uh, no, it's pretty good i don't know it's I, it's also interesting to think about like you know, learning, uh, like you were saying that editing is super immersive. It's, it's kind of a weird, like Zen and philosophical experience to just like edit stuff all day. It's, it's, uh, it's bizarre. I feel like editors have a certain mentality that is kind of hard to replicate across different positions in the industry. Editors are absolutely, they're specific people there. And you were saying not too long ago, how most editors, you know, they're, pretty chill and just low key they don't push back too much because that's kind of the that's the nature of the job is you can't get too dedicated to to, to your own cuts you need to take notes and and remember that it's not your video it's the client's video and yeah you, know, you, you just have to be a certain kind of person and not be personally insulted by every note Dude, I, I I had a real struggle learning that shit. I would get so insulted with notes a lot. Like, and then I, it's still, I mean, obviously it's still hard to like, you know, it's, it's just sucks when like literally the, you make something and then every single thing that you hear back is like, what sucked about it? What needs to be different? And you just hear it all the time, but it is, it's cool. It's a cool philosophical exercise, right? It's like, what's that book? Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance, right? It's like someone that probably already exists. Zen and the art of video editing. It's like same idea. You know what I mean? Like let the feedback just roll, like just keep going, get through it. You know, it's definitely, it's a whole mindset. You, you got to practice it. Like part of editing it's not just the, the physical practice and, and, and the knowledge. It's, it's your mental fortitude to just power through it, through the shitty edits. And that, for, for me, that's where, that's where it gets super frustrating from an actually like technical editing perspective. Once you're deep into a project and you have lots of notes and you're cutting out a lot of chunks, I always lose track of, of the, like the little details in, in a timeline, like the, the sound effects or or just small speed ramps shit like that it always it gets lost in the shuffle of of cutting yeah but the thing to me with that stuff is also like i don't know that's why 
if everything is really going according to plan and it's all going smoothly, that shit should all just come at the end. It's it, it's tough because I often fall in this trap where I, I decide I really like a chunk and like I'm like, damn, if I really want to make this chunk shine and I want the producer to understand what I'm going for here, I should build it out as far as I can. And so what ends up happening is I build this one chunk out as far as I can. I'll like add all the sound effects, make everything dope. And then like other things around that chunk will change, right? So then you move it around and obviously things get lost in the shuffle and then, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's, it is, it is what it is though. That's kind of the whole, that I don't like the tedious part of editing. That's what I don't like. Like that's, that's what gets me. That's why I like, I'm, I'm out here trying to kind of, you know, more like post produce than I am trying to actually do the edits. Like I like to, you know, direct stuff and maybe come in at the end and finish stuff up. But yeah. man, I don't like the tedious parts of it. That's not for me. You know, I don't. Yeah. Building the first edit, that's that's usually the most fun. Right. And then maybe a couple rounds of notes. And that's where you end up with your best version. At least I think is somewhere in between somewhere in the middle of all the versions that you send to the client typically because you what you think is best sometimes it isn't best and usually those are the notes that get addressed first and like like the big stuff that really changes the piece those get addressed first hopefully and and then you come up with a better product but then after a certain version and enough back and forth maybe maybe the the client's big boss gets his hands on it or maybe branding gets their hands on it and then you get into all these sort of dumb little changes that don't necessarily make sense or maybe you feel like oh or the producers feel like well we've paid for these extra versions we've paid for this time so let's just edit to edit let's just try something different to try something different yeah and then i don't know the product loses some of its sparkle i mean it's it, yeah, it loses. It definitely loses some of its kick when like the the people who have never touched to get their hands on it because to them they're not seeing version thirteen or fourteen of it. They're seeing version that's their one. You know mm-hmm. that's their version one. So they just need to find something to say. I don't know. That's why I feel like uh, you know a lot of the time sometimes a lot of the time sometimes you got to <laughs> throw in something for them to call out. You know what I'm saying? But again, when you're at version thirteen or fourteen. There's no throwing something in to call out. Like at that point, it's like, well, I did that in version one or two, you know? Uh, yeah. At that point, the edits are like, this is just what I, I've come up with. And I'm trying to get this to you with, with those specific notes right now. I'm not trying yeah. to do anything additional. I'm not. I think that just the idea of, of going back and forth so much is, is definitely it's, it sucks. And especially like you said, when uh, they edit just to edit when it's like, yeah, we have you. So let's let's use the time up, which frankly, I feel like I haven't really been in that situation too much lately. Like, I think that for the most part, everything t- tends to come in like right on time. You know, it's not we, we I can't remember a, a time when I've just been poking around just to poke around. You know, usually we're done. But and there's something that's worth doing. Does it take all day? No, it might take like two hours but usually the people are cool enough to be like yeah we booked your day so that's what it is yeah i think i um once i get to that point in a project i'm usually i don't want to say frustrated or over it but i'm definitely not in the same mindset that i was at the beginning Mm -hmm. and anything extra it just be like you said it's tedious it becomes extra work and it doesn't 
feel the same. Like it's not the fun part of editing. It's the, oh yeah, this is a job. Like this is. No, let me ask you something. So when you turn in those early versions, how fleshed out do you make them? Because what I love to do, this is legit. A tr- I don't know. I wouldn't call it a trick, but this is some shit that I like actually employ a lot. I think I've told you about it before where what I'll do is I'll just like edit the bigger parts of it, the parts that are like kind of the more overarching parts. But then when I have a specific thing that I want somewhere, I'll go ahead and edit that in, but only like, I guess I I won't, if I don't have the footage, I'm not going to go searching for the footage. Sometimes I'll just write in what I think should go there, like as a text layer, because it's like, I'd rather submit a quicker V1, like if it's getting to the end of the day and I like just haven't found that B-roll yet or I haven't put it there, I'd rather submit a V1 that has my idea on paper kind of off to them, you know, so that that way they can decide if that's going to be cool. So for example, uh, if we're cutting a food thing, like I would write, you know, um, uh, stop motion, no, because then they'd have to shoot that. I would write like close up of the burger uh, you know, pan, pan close up pan of the burger, whatever. And then they would be like, ah, cool. That's great. I can, that would be good here. Or rather than just leaving blank space or making a temporary montage, you know, that way they know that's exactly what's going to go there. I think it's a pretty solid like way to approach V1s and V2s because then you're communicating to the producer what you, what you're thinking goes there, but also you're not overwhelming yourself and spending extra hours finding some, not hours, but spending extra like tens of minutes finding a certain piece of B-roll just for them to go change that. Yeah, I I hate that part with the beginning of a project, especially a lot of projects. It seems like we work on a lot of stuff where the video is still kind of coming in as we're editing and you know that a shot's probably going to be there. Editing with footage that you know isn't going to end up in the final cut is just such a slog, man. Like, it just feels like a waste of time. And maybe it's not, but why? Why go through the footage? It is. I will say it's it's harder to get across that feeling in text. Like, you know, if you have a heavy montage, unless they know your style and they know it'll be fine. But some some producers you send that to, and they'll be like, well. Don't don't give me a text layer like I yeah. I just told you to edit this for me. Edit well, it. That's true. A lot of the time what I'll do like if I'm not comfortable enough sending something like that off like what I've done this multiple times where it's getting to the end of the day. It's like six, six thirty and I'm just like, yo, uh, I'm definitely not finishing this today. I'll just like watch it back. And as it rolls, anytime there's like a, a, a space of like dead, dead air, dead video, I'll just like write down what I want there. And then I, I'll actually make text layers just for myself. So that way, when I come in the next morning, I'm like, oh, you know, this is where I wanted that close up of the burger. This is where I wanted that taco, whatever. And uh, I know I have like a basically a shot list, for lack of a better term, that I can go like scroll through the B-roll and go try to find it, you know, and that way I know exactly where it goes. Uh, this is going to be my montage where it goes like I need eight beautiful shots of food. Right. And then I'll go find them or whatever. But I don't know. I I really do love just like using the text layer rather than like rather than actually finding the footage for the first pass through, because like, 
I'm just not trying to waste my time in the edit, yo. Like I don't even <laughs> like I it's nice to be in there sometimes, but it's not to be it's not nice to be in there wasting time. Yeah, and it's especially not nice to be in there when you're up against against the clock and there's a specific shot that you know you want, but it's somewhere buried deep within your timeline, your selects and it it just Especially when you're not finding it, it gets so frustrating. And a lot of the time what will happen to me when I when I'm looking for that last shot to send off a version, I'll start like I'll watch the whole thing back and then I'll that's when I'll start to see those small edits like the oh, I don't want to get bogged down in this, but then I'm like, oh well I'm right here anyway and I'm about to send this for the for the day. Maybe maybe I should swap this shot right here or tighten this up real right right here. And then I get kind of distracted from what I'm actually doing. I'm like, oh yeah, this fucking B-roll. This fucking B-roll. Where's the shot? <laughs> I, I, sh- I should have just done a text layer. See, usually what I end up doing around that time is I'll just crack open a nice little pineapple ginger seltzer (laughs) and that'll keep me going represent philadelphia what a brand is this two robbers check out the pineapple ginger seltzers everybody no affiliation but those are the only good ones i haven't had the others i i do take a little bit of issue with with a little little statement on their back and i'm sure it's just a play off their brand name but what's the statement the state well that's a little phrase it says be not hospitable to strangers lest they be robbers in disguise be not hospitable to strangers lest, lest they So it's saying don't be nice? Don't be nice. Don't don't be that, nice to people you don't know. Don't meet trash. anyone. Don't that's ever trash. do anything. That's trash. Fuck you two robbers. We're coming for you. We're gonna keep buying your products and drinking it, but also we're coming for you. Fuck you. Philadelphia's trash. I'm I'm out. They're point two percenters. Alright, if they're point two percent better, I guess I'm back in. Now I have a question. So you were we were talking about uh coming up to crunch time and having like deadlines and shit what's the uh, weird craziest situation you've had where like you're on a deadline and uh you know maybe it's like people are all like hassling you to get something in or like uh you're getting pulled in many different directions like have you ever had a situation like that where it gets a little wild it's it's hard to differentiate honestly because in news you know i had probably six to 12 deadlines a day and no exaggeration because we would set up the day with two different interviews, two different stories at least. And, uh, you, you have to, once you, you go, you do the interview, you shoot your B roll. Then the producers back at the station are expecting you to send a couple sound bites. So you have to after right after you have to go through some of the sound bites, you have to send them some selects, then you have to send them some B-roll so that they can tease it. Because say for the five o'clock hour, this that's when the story is going to air. Well, we have news at noon and we want to tease this five o'clock story and we want some sound and some video to tease it with. So you do that for one story you go to your next interview. You do that for your set for your second story. You send that all back and then you have to be live at least once. Sometimes you have to be live twice. So, you know, between Wait, all the, and I was going to say, this is all in how long of a time span, like an eight to 10 hour day. Okay. So news was just always super stressful because, uh, you know, we, we would drive all across town. We'd drive hours to a, to a you know, 30 minutes to an hour to a shoot. And, but that's like 30 minutes to an hour to a shoot multiple times a day. So you're drive right? Am I wrong? Like, it's no, like you absolutely. would drive like maybe 30 minutes to the first location, shoot there, do the promo cuts or whatever, like you were saying, or live stream or whatever, then do promo cuts or whatever, then 
drive another hour, do it again somewhere, maybe drive another 40 minutes, do it again somewhere. Yeah. So, so the editing honestly was the, the quickest and e- easiest part of, of shooting and it's making sure everything's right and everything's sent on time. You, another thing you have to make sure you have service. Like there, there's a lot of places where even That's the, a great point. you know, we had little hotspots, Verizon hotspots, so we could upload anything. But when you're out in, in the boonies, it doesn't matter if you have a hotspot because the service there is garbage. Like if you're in Palatka, Florida, you got to drive 20 minutes to to an actual city center that has some sort of Wi-Fi somewhere so that you can make sure that package gets uploaded in time. Jeez, that's crazy. So like if it's a super remote story, you basically go there to shoot it and then you have to go find like a Starbucks somewhere else to go get. Well, I mean, you're not you're not out here like stealing Starbucks Wi-Fi, but 100 percent I am. Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. No, Starbucks. We would post up at Starbucks all the time. uh, Yeah. I mean, for the most part, we didn't need to do that stuff, but we worked on enough like Camden County, Georgia. I think it was. This is fuck you, Camden County. Yeah, Camden County. I'm making enemies out here. Philadelphia, Camden County. We're coming for all you guys. (laughs) We we were doing some sort of story about a some uh, a rocket launch that was taking place in in Camden County, Georgia. And half the reason for that rocket launch is because it's in a super remote area. So we just had to drive to a super remote area and we were trying to be live from it and, you know, going going live just it didn't work the signal wouldn't come through and if you can't go live they want you to shoot what's called look lives which is just you you shoot the the story as if you were live and then you put put that little segment of video in front of the package that you're gonna run and then you do a oh this is oh a live look into live, camden county or something like that it's not even a live look it's a, it's a look live like as in a, a reporter stand-up you know how most packages will start or stories will start with a reporter standing Just standing there. there yeah yeah so if you don't see the live bug then it's not live they love their live bug uh-huh so you, i don't wait i don't, still don't understand man what's the point in shooting a reporter just standing there they're just gonna you mean they're gonna put <laughs> it know. in there as if they're about to toss to them is that what you're saying yeah basically like that's so nuts they, they, they kind of make it seem like it's seamless. Like you're yeah. actually seeing someone live and right. most people aren't trained to look for that live bug. And for honestly, for most people, it doesn't really matter unless yeah. it's super breaking news. Right. But they were, they were just big on the look lives. So if, if you couldn't actually be live, then you were expected to shoot those and attach them to your story mm-hmm. and send it in that way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, in Camden County, Georgia, it, you can shoot the look lives, you can put it on the package, but then we still had to drive 20 minutes to find a decent Wi-Fi because it's so far out there. It, ma- it makes sense. I mean, I feel like that is, oh man, dude, that just seems like the ultimate most stressful thing ever to be like, hey, uh, like I already get stressed out if I, if like say the Wi-Fi goes out in my house or some shit, I'm like, dang, like what the hell am I going to do? But then if I'm like, if my job depends on it, and it's like, hey, the show starts at five. You need to upload your piece by 445. And you're like, okay, it's 420. And I have 25 minutes to find a Starbucks. Like, that sounds miserable, man. It, it was super miserable. And it tended to be super stressful. Luckily, those those kind of areas were literally few and far between. 
but it still it still happened and you would still feel it. We did the one the one thing where you could get service anytime is if you had one of the satellite trucks. So you need to learn how to dial in a satellite and how to work the truck properly. But that only works if you're in a place that doesn't have tree coverage or or cloud coverage. Oh, well, that would never work in merry old England. <laughs> we have plenty of cloud coverage. Wow, Alan. Oh, man, you uh, you were, you were still here, huh? Yeah, thanks for finally chiming in, man. Oh, I'm sorry that I'm a polite British person just listening to you talking about the satellites. Do you have any hot edit takes? Me? Well, we tend to edit everything in 25 frames per <laughs> second, so I like to throw in an extra frame. Oh, Alan. <laughs> You know that's not how it works, man. You can't be throwing in extra frames. That guy, he's so crazy, that Alan. He's your friend, not mine. I, he, I, oh, well, you know, friends. I don't know. He's, he's, he's more like uh, an acquaintance, right, Alan? Yes, that's correct. I would say I'm more of an acquaintance. This, uh, is, this is why we went for the, the known unknown. Yeah, Alan is an unknown known, right, Alan? Yes, that's correct. He's, he's yes ending hard as fuck, though. I like this guy. I like this Alan guy, man. You got a good attitude. I changed my mind. All right, let me ask you a question. So this is a dream project. That's what I'm curious about. If you, what's like the, uh, you know, just a, a dream project that you would want to work on, you know? Editing-wise? Yeah, yeah, editing-wise, I think. Yeah, I'm post, yeah. I think for me, a dream project, it would just be sports and any sort of sports that I, I know the, the players, I understand how the sports work and it's not, it's not broadcast footage. I don't want to be editing broadcast footage. I want some like good sideline stuff shot well that I can slow down. And I think that, I think that's it. Yeah. I, I think you're getting close then. Yeah, no, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I love editing the MLS stuff. I love, yeah, I love sports. What about like a sports documentary? Like some shit like hard knocks or something like that. Is that something that is your like sort of ballpark? That'd be super dope. I think something like that is a little bit as far as dream project. No, I would enjoy working on it, but it's too much to go through to, because that's a documentary and you got to create a story and so you're talking short form sports oh absolutely like like social media style that type of stuff 100 percent. interesting that's interesting man that's like that's very close i feel like for me i would love a dream like a dream project i would love to work on a a narrative uh feature that like like is some is a movie that i really enjoy like i would love to just you know, get paid to come in and take my time editing and cut together scenes and like make shit dope. That would make me want to edit more because I think what, you know, I pride myself on how quickly I can get through stuff. And the fact that like we can come up with quality work, like in a short amount of time. However, I've never really worked in film post-production, like you know, feature film post-production or short film post-production telling narrative stories where you get like paid for like a few months to sit around and actually make the thing good. You know, I don't even know where to start with an edit like that, honestly, 
I guess I could start. But I, once I'm into it, I it's just such a different style of editing that I've never really done. So I can't speak intelligently I've never done on it, it either. But I think that so much of it just depends on the way it was shot and having a good director. That's why having a good director is so important because, like, if if the coverage isn't right, the scene's not going to work. You know what I mean? The scene only works when the coverage is right. And then I guess a lot of people fall into the sort of idea of just being safe and like literally covering it from every angle. And then that way you have things to choose from, you know, so you can go like over the shoulder or over the shoulder or two shot or a wide shot or whatever. They have everything, you know, but I guess some directors want to just cover it like in a very bare bones way where they know exactly what they want, which that seems risky. I but. think, yeah, I I mean, for me, I just assume that most films are already pre-produced to such a degree that for me as an editor, I'm not making the same choices that I would be making doing the type of edits that I do now. Like there would be very different choices, but that's what I think would make it fun. That's why, like, I think it would be tight to really sit around for like a week trying to edit a few dope scenes, you know, trying to make a, a section of a film really shine. Because for us, like when we sit around for a week at the end of the week, we usually have like a finished piece. You know, I, I would love to really try to, and maybe I'm saying that and, and I'll come and like, <laughs> I'd be on week three, be like, y'all want to fucking blast myself. But like, <laughs> but I would love to take two months to like try to put some long thing together. It's like an hour and a half, but I don't know how many times I'd be able to review it. I feel like I'd be able to review it maybe four times before I get sick of it. I, Which with these, I can review them. I mean, like these, are, these are like one minute things that we do two minute things. And it takes me, I think, I think I get sick of them. After viewing them like, well, after versions, after viewing like 12 versions, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Because at that point, I've probably watched it like, who knows, 500 times, something like that. But you ever think about how like it's weird that of the things that you, we put together, because we do a lot of like ephemeral social media stuff Absolutely. of all the things we put together. We're probably the people who have watched it the most of literally anybody on the earth. <laughs> That that stuff gets me every time. Even today when I was going, you know, pulling stuff for the reel, I, there were a couple of projects that I, I, I pulled out the exports for and I was like, oh, yeah, this song. How could I ever forget this song? This song I listened to 5,000 times. It was in my head every single time I went to sleep for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Totally forgot it. And I'm like, ah, brings back all the memories of this project. Don't miss it. What song was it? It was one, I can't, it was no, one I of those stock songs. Yeah. It was one of the poppy sounding ones from that one plus T-Mobile project. Oh yeah. 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 I remember those were very, those were very annoyingly catchy and, and, uh, not catchy enough. Cause I literally can't remember how it exactly. Go. It's, but I know, catchy it, I know it's time. Yeah. I know it's a catchy song, but I can't tell you what, what the hell he's saying. It's like any mm. other shitty pop song. I, um, I think we should wrap it up. I think this was a pretty decent one. We got enough, you know, now that the police are coming, it's a good ending note. You know, it's funny. I always bring up all the stuff that I'm hearing and I don't think anyone's going to hear it on the pod. They really won't. Yeah, it, it, it's I don't know if it's for quality of microphones or lack of listeners, but <laughs> who the hell knows? All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully uh, you'll listen to the next one. And if you don't just know you missed out. 
on the next big thing. See ya. And cheerio from me. Cheerio.